Hi, and thanks for listening to the Burke Allen Show on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Today, it's a true crime thriller that you won't believe. We'll talk to the documentary filmmaker, J.D. Leet. The movie is Target of Opportunity, U.S. Navy SEALs, and the murder of Jennifer Evans. This really happened. It's the true story of a U.S. Navy SEAL left behind, rotting away in jail in Virginia. It's uh, an incredible story, and we want to know why J.D. Leet is so dogged in his pursuit of this uh, U.S. Navy SEAL's freedom. His name is Dusty Turner. Why, even after a lower court granted his release, is SEAL Dusty Turner still in prison? Why have three now, three Virginia governors, refused to grant a pardon, even though the real killer, who is not this Navy SEAL, has come forward and confessed to the crime? And what's next for filmmaker J.D. Lee? Again, the documentary film is Target of Opportunity, U.S. Navy SEALs, and the murder of Jennifer Evans. And we welcome filmmaker J.D. Lee to the Burke Allen Show. Thank you so much for being here. Tell me about this story and why it captivated you and how you first heard about the story of this Navy SEAL left behind. Certainly. And first, I'd like to thank you, Burke, for having me on. It's a, a great opportunity to talk about this case because so many people don't really understand the facts. I was you attached bet. to a SEAL team as a, as a communicator for the early part of the 90s and eventually became a SWIFT, Special Warfare Combat Crew member who uh, operate the boats that uh, deliver SEALs to and from the target. Um, you know, obviously it was for 9-11, and, and so there's a whole lot of training going on and not a lot going on in, in the real world except for a few select SEALs uh, and boat guys. But, but I was very uh, involved in the community when this crime occurred, and it was a shock to the whole special warfare community, and especially in Virginia Beach, where I was stationed. And um, the right off the bat, it just seems very strange to me that two highly trained kids, basically, uh, but they still had been through BUDS and were highly trained on, on you know, Hoskuge Rescue, which inside of Hoskuge Rescue is, you know, Taking a hostage would not be a, a, a difficult task for this, and, the, and this crime was based on an abduction charge, the, on abduction that they had taken this girl uh, away against her will uh, in order to, something to do around sex. But then once, well, the, the media uh, played it up at the time as that, that, that that's what happened, what the police were saying, and I think especially the prosecutor Bob Humphreys, Al Alberry. I think that that became their story. The more I learned about it, and even now I get calls, people watch the film, and there's all of a sudden there's some new thing, some cellmate that Brown had confessed to in 1996, right, that you know, I had no idea about, and they said I didn't know who to tell. But, but um, it didn't make any sense to me that two highly trained guys like this would be so sloppy and so bad at doing something and that their motives would be so sinister when everybody I met, and granted I was at the elite team, but uh, still you get a lot of arrogance and and people of all kinds of backgrounds. Nobody knows what makes a SEAL, what will make somebody put themselves through that, the self-selection of I'm tough enough to do this. But that inside of that, this plotting, 
to do a crime like this is so cowardly, uh, abducting girls for sex. It just didn't make sense to me of the character of the guys that I knew. And, of course, as soon as I retired from the Navy at the end of 2003 and and, uh, just started scratching the surface on it, just asking police and things from Virginia Beach uh, to tell the story and getting, you know, doors literally slammed in your face or just uh, just lied to, then that, you know, that spurred me on to find out what really happened. And, uh, you know, we'll never know. I'm not in that car that night when this happens, but there is physical evidence and forensics and things that um, support everything that Dustin Turner said since the day he admitted that he had seen his swim buddy commit a violent, drunken rage murder and, and that he hit it. And, and what his, why he, why he hit it. And to me, that was the interesting part of this story is what would make a kid throw his whole life away. Um, and, you know, then when you start to think about what he'd given up, where he was, and the fact that he, once he decided that he could, that he could, once he'd been directed by his uh, superior officer, warrant officer uh, O'Connick, that he could tell the police what happened, then he did, uh, upon a direct order. Then he was, he felt that uh, he could tell the truth and solve the crime for the police and uh, to pay him back, the uh, the prosecutors charged him with abduction and uh, uh, with the intent to defile and murder. And that underlying felony of abduction that never happened is why he's spending 82 years in prison without the possibility of parole. If you're just joining us, our guest is J.D. Leet. He's the uh, documentary filmmaker behind Target of Opportunity, U.S. Navy SEALs, the murder of Jennifer Evans. It's the story of uh, Dustin Turner and many call him the Navy SEAL left behind. And for folks who haven't seen the, the movie yet, it's incredibly compelling. It's a tragic story. It's, uh, it's uh, something you just can't take your eyes away from. But to, to sort of recap it, for those who are not familiar with the story, because this did happen some time ago in 1995, the mid-90s, was a major national media story. It was all over uh, you know, the Dateline NBC's in 2020s and the current affairs of the day, um, uh, as well as Virginia Beach local media, where it was a huge story. Uh, and there were two young Navy SEALs who were swim buddies, and they, they went out into a, a nightclub uh, after a full day of training, uh, left with a young lady, got in the car, and the young lady disappeared uh, in the ensuing search. Eventually, uh, what, what came out is one of these, uh, young Navy SEALs had some serious behavioral issues and uh, from the back seat of the car reached around the passenger seat and immediately snapped the neck of this young lady and the two Navy SEALs hit the, the body and uh, the, the Navy SEAL uh, who committed the crime eventually confessed to it uh, and uh, said look I did this in a drunken rage Dustin Turner who was driving had nothing to do with it Except that he panicked and didn't know what else to do, and uh, and and therein lies Dustin Turner, who some 23 years now and going is is still in jail. So, uh, so I guess you know the first question is in your conversations with this young man, Dustin Turner. Uh, clearly, you believe he's innocent of the murder, but why do you think he didn't immediately come clean and 
tell what happened in the car that night. Why did he cover for his swim buddy? Well, you know, there's so many theories on that. I mean, he when I talked to him, and I've interviewed him many times, and one little correction I'd like to make is that Turner actually left with the girl and had arranged for Brown to have a ride home with someone else. So this idea that they were plotting something together just falls apart immediately when Kristen Bishop testifies that she was going to take Brown home until he advanced on her, and then she, you know, cut him away. And uh, so then he shows up in the car drunk and and recently rejected, and Turner's there with this beautiful young girl that, uh, um, you know, whatever, out of his league, what whatever. But Brown gets – she opens the door on the passenger side and lets him in the back seat. And he's drunk and outrageous. But when this happens, Turner says he felt the whole car shake, that he wasn't even looking over, that he just felt the car shake and he didn't know what was going on. And then he saw his arms around her, and he went and, and rather than punching him, he went for his arms to try to release her. Now, once she urinates in the seat, and, and he knows that she's dead, and Brown is screaming at him, it's hard to say whether the training, you know, shoot, move, and communicate is what we live by, right? That you you have to keep a weapon and ammo, uh, and you need to be able to communicate with your uh, team guys and you need to be able to move and um, I think scanning that that jumping out of the car and running for the police that might be what a lot of people think you would do but I don't know many SEALs that that's that that's going to be their reaction that, that, that attacking him maybe even more severely uh, finishing him whatever there's more in the um the wheelhouse of the, of the seals that I know. And, but he didn't, he, he scanned that uh, there, her girlfriends were supposed to pick her up right there. So there was a, there, I mean, within minutes, this is happening at closing of the bar and her girlfriends had left her with Dusty, which, um, you know, he, that says something there about him. They'd never talked to Brown. Brown had been uh, falling down drunk. Again, a great plan if you're planning to abduct someone, and right. maybe sarcasm doesn't come <laughs> over the radio. But this, this is a. a um, anyway, he he looked it over, and I think the training kicked in. Fear of Brown, a lot of of a psych, psychologist, a professor of psychi, psychology that I interviewed in the film. Um, uh, you know, she says, well, you know, fear is probably a big thing there. Uh, Dusty claims that he wasn't afraid of him, that he, you know, and he had squared off with him before. And, uh, uh, but Brown was a big, strong, violent guy, you know, 6'3", 220, 225. Um, Roy had been using steroids since the beginning, maybe even before uh, Bud's training. So, and he wasn't the type of guy that it was going to end with a friendly, uh, you know, pat on the back after after the fight is over. If, if he had fought him, one of them was going to die. I mean, you don't know, but that's probably what would have happened. And he he put it in he put it in reverse, backed out, and 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 then drove out of there. And now, when you're at that point, now what are you doing? As soon as that car moves. You're in an impossible situation that everybody should just be thankful they've never been 
put in it. And he's training to go to war and to do things, not only do things that would be illegal if not sanctioned by the government, but then to never tell anyone and to keep that secret. And that's the guys. The guys that can do that are the guys that get the real jobs uh, before 9-11 especially. You know, it's a handful of guys that, that are doing things and nobody else knows about them. And that's what uh, Dustin Turner wanted to be. And so you can imagine the conflict. He's calling his you know, phone records show that were never entered into, into evidence, but he was calling his mom six to ten times a day. And uh, or more. I mean, uh, there's some days that it's more than that. But there's a guy that calls his mom once every couple months. All of a sudden, is calling his mom. You know, it's a, it's a. At that point, he'd turned twenty, and uh, but he's a, he's a kid, and uh, you know, uh, people say, oh, he should have known better. But what 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 is he supposed to? What what training is that that you get that is going to make you uh, respond better? Um, I don't know. And I, I guess, J.D., there's probably a, a school of thought, and you would know better than I since you worked around these Navy SEALs throughout your Navy career, but there there has to be a certain mindset, these guys and their training, that you, uh, you know, you, you take care of your swim buddy. That person is incredibly close to you, and I, I guess under this very stressful situation, that had to, to play a big part of it. Um, and, and I appreciate the, the clarification there. So, what happened when these uh, these folks were leaving the nightclub in Virginia Beach is that Dustin Turner, who's the young man who's presumed innocent, he left the nightclub with the young lady. They got to the car, and then at that point, the second Navy SEAL, who's the swim buddy, uh, Brown, I think he said is his last name, shows up at the car in a drunken state. They then let him into the car. So it's not that the three of them left the nightclub together. This all sort of transpired in the parking lot. The young lady's friends saw Turner, felt at least safe enough for her to leave with him uh, alone. Uh, how, how long before uh, Dustin Turner fessed up to what happened in that car? What was the time frame? Eight, eight days. Eight days. He had he had a, a, a an AD and a, an accidental discharge of his weapon the following day. I interviewed the corpsman that actually did the. Um, you know, pulled the shrapnel and things out of his eye, and he said that before it even happened that he was walking around like a zombie, that he was in a, you know, he looks back and says he thinks he was in a state of shock, that he just didn't know what he was doing. Um, Brown, on the other hand, was going back to Virginia Beach to have dinner with a girl who was getting him um, uh, newspaper clippings and things, so Brown was trying to keep track of what was going on. And, and, you can make what you want of it, but those that newspaper ended up Dustin, under Dustin Turner's passenger seat. Um, I, I find that compelling because I've come to believe that Billy Joe Brown is a, a stone-cold psychopath, has no conscience. And um, even though he's come forward now, it's off of this religious conversion that it's still kind of the classic narcissist conversion, that it's about him and some deal that he's made with God to tell the truth and, and thank God that he is, but, but it, it, he still doesn't have any uh, sympathy for Dusty or, or the Evans family. And if you read the transcripts and things of the original trials of Brown's trials, which I put on, online and I'd be happy to let people read, but Brown's trial, Turner's trial, Brown's just a different person. He's just not, 
the way when he testifies that he talks to the prosecutor, his nonchalance about this, you know, at that point he's, he's, he's accusing Turner of doing it alone and that he shows up in the car. Um, but the way that he talks about her and the crime and what he does afterwards, um, you know, he's, he's not, and that brings me to the point where I'm looking at, at, um, the psychological profile of seals and, and Swicks and anybody else in that, that line of work of, was this an accident that he was allowed in or how did, how did somebody with his background go thrown out of the Coast Guard for, this is reported, uh, you know, he had assaulted an instructor and got thrown out of the Coast Guard in his teens and, you know, 18 or 19, and then makes his way into the, oh, and he beats his, when he's 17, he's arrested as a juvenile for beating his 14-year-old pregnant wife, and then the three policemen that come to arrest him. Um, he's He's a piece of work, and there is a case to be made that that the the, the Evans family, Turner's family, um, were put in huge jeopardy by allowing this guy into the SEAL teams and then training him to do what what he did, not kill innocent uh, civilians. But he's, you know, my impression from the few people that I could find that would talk about him, he's people are still afraid of him. Um, you know, he's that kind of kid that was doing the, the, the jujitsu and karate and stuff all day and not the, uh, not playing regular sports or doing it, you know, so he had this thing that he wanted to be and, um, uh, and he abused substances, alcohol, especially and steroids. So it's, it was almost inevitable. It's amazing. This guy made the cut to become a Navy SEAL. We're going to come back in just a couple of minutes uh, after we take a can. And when we do come back, J.D., I want to talk to you about why, you know, even after a lower court uh, gave Dustin Turner his walking papers, he's still in prison, why three now, I believe it is, three Virginia governors thus far have refused to grant him a pardon, even though the other Navy SEAL Brown has confessed to the crime. More on this very amazing case and on the documentary Target of Opportunity, U.S. Navy SEALs and the Murder of Jennifer Evans, Available now on iTunes and Amazon Prime when we come back on the Burke Allen Show. Hang on. Over 14 million people witnessed his emotional story of survival and triumph on national television. I've been doing this now for so long, like ever since I was a kid. Millions more voted him their favorite in a landslide win. The winner is... And now, you can be a part of the experience live. Landau Eugene Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Ain't that a kick in the head? You're America's Got Talent winner. I've got you. Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Under my Live, live. Performing classics from the Great American Songbook and his Columbia Records debut CD, That's Life. That's Life. Landau Eugene Murphy Jr.'s That's Life Tour. The one concert event this year you absolutely can't miss. See Landau Eugene Murphy Jr. Welcome back to the Burke Allen Show. Our number is 646-787-1616. 646-787-1616. If you want to be a part of the conversation with documentary filmmaker J.D. Lee, he's the man behind Target of Opportunity. 
U.S. Navy SEALs and the murder of Jennifer Evans. J.D. Lee himself, a Navy veteran who worked in and around SEALs for his uh, Navy career. It's the story of Dustin Turner, the Navy SEAL left behind after a tragic murder in which he has always uh, said he was innocent of, which the other man in the car, the other Navy SEAL in the car, has since confessed to. And yet, J.D., in our, our closing minutes, A lower court granted Dustin Turner's release. The guy is still in prison and is now a middle-aged guy. He went in when he was 19, 20 years old. Now he is now in his mid-40s. He still is behind bars, even after he was granted a release. So I I know this gets into the weeds a little bit, but but how can that be? Well, Judge Lowe, a district court in Virginia Beach, had had, uh, Billy Brown come in, and I filmed it. And uh, and Billy Brown is he ruled that he's uh, telling the truth, but it's uh, and so then the appellate court had a three judge panel review it, and in a two to one decision they ruled that Brown was telling the truth and Turner should be vacated, but they took that uh, they took that to the complete court of appeals, the court that the judge uh, that one of the judges Bob Humphreys was the prosecutor in this case. He recused himself from the en banc hearing, but I filmed it. It wasn't – it's not what you expect. It's not Perry Mason. The, the judges did all the talking. David Hargett, Turner's attorney, didn't really get even a chance. And they, that what they did was they, they came up with a new theory of the crime that was never argued, that you can accept Tur- Brown and Turner's story, that Brown came out later, and killed her there in the parking lot without an abduction. But that Turner, if he intended to hurt her when he walked hand in hand out to the car of a place where everybody knew him and her friends were going to show up and has no chance of getting away with it, but his intent, if his intent was to hurt her, then he abducted her by deception. So now the underlying felony is still there, and he's still guilty of felony murder. The Court of Appeals went with that. The Supreme Court approved that. And... So then he all he had was this uh, possibility of a clemency, and it got it made their decisions. Then he entered it in. Governor McDonald entertained it and passed it on. He was in his own uh, legal battles. Governor McAuliffe let it sit on his desk for four years, and then turned it over. Did not make a decision because as soon as they make a decision, they can refile with new evidence. But instead, it sits, and now. Uh, Governor Northam uh, has the uh, has the ball, and um, you know nobody. They say they're going to do an investigation, but nobody's ever, not yet, has talked to Turner or Brown, which would be a pretty uh, or me. Uh, if you want to find out what happened, talk to the people, talk to Turner and Brown, and um, uh, it's it's not that hard to do. Or just watch. I, I, I filmed the entire thing uh, and posted Brown's testimony online. Anybody can watch it. It's five hours long, and it's pretty clear he's telling the truth and that he's a psychopath. You know, I, I've seen some of that footage in the documentary itself, and, of course, you have a lot more online. And, and you're right, you know, not to, to cast disparaging remarks on a guy I've never met before, uh, but the guy just comes right out of central casting as off his rocker, as clearly a psychopath. So yeah. uh, yes. I, I guess my, my question would be to you, you mentioned the, the governors. And, of course, the first governor, yes, he ran into his own legal issues that 
sort of sucked all the life out of the end of his term. Uh, why do you think uh, McAuliffe sat on it and, and uh, Northern Moose has only been in a couple of months? Why, why are, are none of these guys really given this uh, a fair shake? Is, is there really any question still? It's, would there be a lot of pushback if Dustin Turner were granted I, his freedom? I don't know. I know that her, you know her family still doesn't believe Brown, but there's all kinds of reasons why that is. But I also think there's a lot of political things going on uh, that we'll never know about. That that's at the heart of a lot of this about um, you know whether it's the seals or whether it's the 1996 election where the Republicans took over the the Senate and the uh, you know, and then they appointed these judges. They appointed, you know, everybody in this case, except Dick Bridges, Turner's lead defense attorney, he was 73. Everybody else became a judge. The, the defense lawyer that lost, Steve Mahan, is now a circuit court judge. Judge Humphreys was a, he jumped over the circuit court to the Court of Appeals, which who's ever heard of that? So there's there's a lot going on here. Uh, Sheriff Stoley was the, uh, you know, he was in the Senate at the time and got Humphreys to the to jump over and they made him a court of appeals judge all of that is it, this is the, fun, the the ironic part about this is i finished this film and it kind of it, it makes a very good case that turner has been telling the truth and is innocent and you have brown telling you and it's pretty believable but i'm not going away so as i as people see this film and get involved they start their own nonprofits and different things about the justice system in virginia and how it went so bad and why. And we're not going anywhere. And um, the, by ignoring it, they're not going to make us leave. It's just not going to happen. I'm interested in making good films that expose, uh, you know, the truth. Um, and if there were any evidence that Turner had been lying to me in five different interviews where I asked the same questions and he answers in the same way, as opposed to Brown, who's answered them all kinds of different ways. Um, there's just, we're not going anywhere. And the more they they push this down, kick the can down the road, not just me, but many people now that followed, that watched the film, made a few phone calls and went, this is not what I want my government, my system, my judicial system in Virginia to be. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, Turner's case isn't the only one. And uh, that's that's at the heart of this, I think. That's the true story that we won't understand until until we do. Final 30 seconds here. You did not have a personal relationship with Dustin Turner. You weren't friends. You knew about the story. You were in and around that community when this happened. But you've done this documentary. Final 30 seconds. Why are you personally so dogged in pursuing uh, Dustin Turner's freedom? Why does this matter to you so much? Uh, well, we don't leave people behind. You know, we don't. Uh, uh, the first time I left the prison and I and he was still there, I just had this feeling like I was on a on a H-stack, a, a boat, high-speed assault craft, leaving a kid in the jungle to, to uh, or, you know, a mountaintop in Afghanistan that uh, – uh, I, I can't shake it. We don't do that. And the guys that say, oh, well, it, it's it's not worth questioning this. Leave it alone. I don't, I don't think they're, they're uh, holding up to the standard. 
I think that they they should be as shocked and uh, as as um, aggressive as I am in getting to the truth on this because we have left the kid behind. If you uh, at all find the stories you see on Dateline NBC interesting, on uh, the Discovery Channel, uh, even the fictionalized versions that you see on the NCIS and and the CSI type television shows, I cannot recommend this documentary film more highly. It has stayed with me ever since I saw it. The movie is Target of Opportunity, U.S. Navy SEALs, and the Murder of Jennifer Evans. It's a true story about Dustin Turner, the Navy SEAL left behind, who rots away in prison in Virginia. To this day, J.D. Leet is the filmmaker. Look for it on iTunes. You can also look for it on Amazon Prime. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can watch it for free. J.D., thanks for being a part of the program today. Best of luck to you in your quest to get uh, Dustin Turner released, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much, and uh, thanks again for giving me the opportunity. You bet. Now, go out and make it a great day, and thank you so much for listening. Bye, everybody. Star Wars is back. Hello, Chewie, how are you? Hey. I didn't really think this through because I can't understand him. Next, Ellen, Woody Harrelson from Solo and Gail King. Ellen, today at 3 on NBC4. Federal workers surfing and sharing porn on the job. The News 4 I-Team broke this story a year ago. Now it's gotten worse. Solicited prostitution while they were at work. Wasting time and your tax dollars. The News 4 I-Team is working for you Wednesday at 11. Star Wars is back. Hello, Chewie, how are you? Hey. I didn't really think this through because I can't understand him. Next, Ellen, Woody Harrelson from Solo and Gail King. Ellen, today at 3 on NBC4. Federal workers surfing and sharing porn on the job. The News 4 I-Team broke this story a year ago. Now it's gotten worse. Solicited prostitution while they were at work. Wasting time and your tax dollars. The News 4 I-Team is working for you Wednesday at 11. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.